welcome to the WCS Voices podcast, Conversations on Education and Community, where we bring you insightful discussions, expert insights, and inspiring stories from educators, students, and parents in Wood County and beyond. Today, we're continuing our discussion with educators from Wood County Schools who are teaching courses this summer at our Teaching and Learning Academy. The Academy is an opportunity for educators to participate in professional development, which is taught both by their peers and professionals from outside of Wood County. It's also an opportunity to network and share ideas across the curriculum. So in today's podcast, we are joined by Jody Carter-Hamilton, Keziah Parsons, Jessica Espinoza, Lisa Buckley, and graciously joined by Joanna Mulligan again. And Joanna is a curriculum coordinator uh, for Wood County Schools. So up first, we're talking to Jody Carter Hamilton. Um, Jody is a school family liaison at Jefferson Elementary. We'll also be speaking with Kaziah Parsons. She's an academic coach for Wood County Schools. And Jessica Espinosa is an elementary educator at Martin Elementary School. So welcome, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. So Jody, uh, what, what are you teaching this summer? I'm going to teach a course called Tell Me a Story. It is a way of um, showing teachers how to use children's literature to address some ment- some of the mental health issues that we have. Which we have a lot right now. Exactly. So I think that's why it's important to have this. It's yeah. also a way that we could turn you know, from the teachers teaching children to teaching the parents how to deal with it as well. Like, you oh, know, great. you can take this book home and you can talk about why you're having trouble dealing with the anger and get tips out of these things. So something that we can cross school into family. Yeah, yeah. It seems like uh, since the pod or since the uh, pandemic, there's just been one study after another looking at the the mental health challenges of our students. Yes, and I'm sure um, you know historically that that's occurred as well. But if you think back over time, I can remember hearing people say. Well, you're just you're just a kid. What do you have to worry about? Right. And, and of course, uh, kids have worries. Yes, and you know, thinking now, you know, we, oh, of course not. You're taken care of, but children do have anxiety. They, you know, they do have these things. So we need to address those, so they can learn how to manage them. Right. Before they become adults, you know, how to manage, how to self-regulate. Yeah. And if if kids are, if kids are better able to self-regulate and manage these emotions they're more ready to show up to learn in class. Exactly. And, you know, that's empowering. That's right. And we sometimes, especially I think as children, think that we're the only one. Yeah. That nobody else thinks like this. Nobody right. else feels like this. And there's power in knowing that, no, I'm actually not alone. Other people feel like this, and there's a way that I can help myself. Yeah, yeah. Why is this important for teachers and for parents to understand? I think we all want to help. That's just who we are as teachers. And we know that all of these mental health issues have to be addressed before we can get to the academic parts. Right. If you're having anxiety and your stomach always hurts, and you may not even realize that it, that's anxiety, we have to address that first. So if we can use children's books to do that, um, it's kind of an easy way to slide into it. And it's good for parents as well because when things happen, you don't know what to say. I no. mean, this could be things about death of a, um, of a grandparent, death of a pet, you know, ways that you can address that and tell your child how to handle it when you're really not sure what to say. Right, right. Yeah, you think back to um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and if you don't feel safe, 
you know, you're, it's going to be difficult to learn. And we see that in our kids all the time. Yeah, absolutely. So who would be interested in attending this session? What type of teacher? Um, I think any teacher from pre-K through 8th would definitely be interested. Yeah. Um, there's a variety of levels of books that deal with this, anything from a little spot series, which is really towards pre-K, um, all the way up to um, invisible. It's like an invisible leash, an invisible string okay. that could go up into upper elementary. Yeah. Um, so I think any teacher could get something out of it. And my end goal would be then for that teacher – to share that with parents so that they would be able to say, you know, oh, you know, this book touched my heart and it right. helped so much. But, you know, we are the experts, so we need to share some of that expertise. Yeah, so in some ways it's kind of like uh, train the trainer, so training the teacher to train and pass yep. that on. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Kaziah, you are teaching a session on writing. Yes, I'm Tell us a little bit more about that. Teaching two classes that focus on writing strategies, uh, one will take place on Tuesday the 18th uh, for third through eighth grade okay. and beyond. And the other will be kindergarten to second grade on Wednesday. Great. Very good. So what, what are you focusing on in these sessions? So um, my goal for a while as an educator and working in schools as a reading resource was to develop a good curriculum for writing because there really hasn't been anything great written for us to help children mm -hmm. learn how to write. So... Um, as a coach, I've been able to develop um, a kindergarten, even preschool, through um, adulthood on strategies to um, help kids write, starting with uh, Foursquare and then using a hamburger model. Um, hamburger model. Tell me a little bit more about that. I'm not familiar so the, with that. A hamburger model is a graphic organizer we use, and the kids fold okay. the paper. The top bun and bottom bun are your introduction and conclusion. Okay. And then in your uh, toppings is your four square, gotcha. which is the topic paragraphs. And then there's little songs and dances that go along with it so yeah. kids can remember how to fold their paper, hook their reader with a question mark. And then I use Tafipo for um, persuasive or information. And then we will also be asked to maybe write narratives on an assessment, but we can use TED to uh, write that. Okay. Develop I their stories. I was um, looking at the program guide for the, the summer session, and um, part of your, part of your uh, session this summer is primary writing will focus on using strategies beginning with oral writing, using basic sentence structure, songs, and movement. So movement, how does that help someone with writing? It's um, connected to your brain and the storage of the areas in your brain that you can um, remember things e easier and put it into your long-term memory. I'm currently studying um, whole brain teaching and making those connections to all. Oh, that's why it's easier for kids and myself to right. remember things if I move and talk at the same time. You know, I was always in trouble for talking in school, and even now I get shushed in meetings. <laughs> but it's actually um, how our brain learns the best. So it's a way um, for kids just to organize their thinking, uh, what comes, and it's very organized for what comes first, next, and last. And I have songs to teach transition words um, yeah. and the whole bit. I, I'm assuming it helps with recall as well. I think, you know, we, we've done like the singing for years where, you know, learn a song and it helps you learn a concept and then that sticks with you forever so I'm guessing movement is similar and yeah song and dance movement yeah visual yeah. why would our students want to learn these strategies what would be helpful for them well it builds on from first grade kindergarten all the way up through adulthood where they can use these strategies I tell them that they can use it through college to write their um, 
their essays or when they go to get a loan from a bank and they're trying to persuade the bank to give them money so they could have uh, three good reasons why and it's right. organized. Yeah, in our last episode, we had Greg Merritt uh, and Greg's a, a former teacher in Wood County Schools and he was working with the, the bar method. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a way of helping kids use a visual strategy, um, you know, to, to help them. I, I think of this in the, in the same way. It's that strategy that a kid can latch on to and say, I get this, I get this concept, and I can move on. Yeah, and if you can store it in many different parts of your brain, right. our, our visual part of our brain is one-third. Yeah, yeah. So you have more to draw on. Visual- and, and depending on what type of learner you are. Yes. Well, what can a teacher expect to take back to their classroom after attending a session with you? You will, of course, receive any of my resources in uh, the Schoology group, which you can also have access to that if you just email me. I'll let you in. Nice. Um, I have lots of um, handouts for you. Day one, you should be able to pull things out of your um, packet that I give you and teach right away. At least that's my goal for you. And um, lots of fun to integrate strategies for writing. Yeah. I also had the opportunity to go into kindergarten through second grade this year for a short period of time, and the kindergarten teacher said that she was shocked at how much they were writing. That's great. And I've heard that from many teachers after I'm in their room. They're like, wow, they really wrote a lot. And what's great about it is the structure, it's differentiated. They can write pictures, draw pictures, or write 10 sentences per topic if they so chose. Mm -hmm. So it makes it pretty broad and and open for them. Yeah. So what would the type of teacher be that would attend your session this summer? Anyone that wants to have fun. (laughs) Well, I think you sold it there. (laughs) So obviously you would be be gearing it towards elementary teachers. Um, I also went to sixth grade, and they're using it and loving it and very thankful. So I'm hoping that other teachers will branch out to me and say, please come in, show Mm -hmm. us what you've got. And I was a little intimidated by the sixth graders, but they were very loving too, just like the the first graders. Jessica, um, so what are you you teaching this summer? I am actually going to do a math groups for elementary and then one for middle school. Um, Those are both Wednesday, July 19th. Okay. And what, what are you going to be talking about in your session? Um, uh, how to implement math groups into your curriculum. Okay. Um, okay. You know, how you can design them, what you can use in them, you know, how to group students. I like the idea um, in, in the program that it says to help support the implementation of math groups. I think a lot of times people, they know what they need to do, but they're like, where do I start? And how do I put this into this part here? And just, you know, having that guidance and... And um, as we mentioned at the top of the show, um, that sort of networking and, and working with your peers and sharing ideas, um, now you've got someone that you can email and call and say, yeah. you know what, um, we were working on this. What did you decide to do? And it's yeah. just that extra support. Yes. Yeah. And I actually, I've had another teacher, and she's the one that showed me what she did. Yeah. And it really just changed So she was like a, like a mentor. Yeah. Yeah. And so just used a lot of ideas from her and then have just grown from that over the years. Okay. Okay. Well, I love the idea. I, when I taught, I also had math groups and it gave the kids an opportunity to practice the skills in a different way. Yes. You know, and so they were more concrete to them, which goes yeah. right back to what, because I was saying about whole brain learning yes. and different opportunities to learn. And you gamify it, they get interested. Yes. It lights up their brain. <laughs> That's right. It's That's a right. good time to have fun so they don't think they're learning. <laughs> trick them into it. <laughs> what, will, what will teachers expect to be able to take back to their classroom? Um, just ideas. Um, a lot of teachers don't 
don't know where to begin, yeah. like we said before. So just kind of a, a way to set it up, um, okay. ideas to use a lot. It's a great time. Like math is such a concrete subject. And right. it's, you know, you don't want to, when they don't get something, you have to keep moving on. Right. The math group, that time is a perfect time to reinforce it. Okay. So if it's math, like they're facts, or maybe they're not understanding fractions, but you have to move on to geometry. It's that time is a perfect time to reinforce that um, as they're learning. I'm curious, the like the math grouping. So would these be uh, like a diverse group of kids so that um, some have more of a command than others and yeah. they help pull them up? Yeah. Um, what I do is I, I meet with a group. I have a they, – they rotate to a teacher. They also have a hands-on, and that's where they practice their math facts. There's a mm-hmm. technology component so they can use iReady or – you know, some other form of, of technology. Okay. Um, there's an at the table where they just super easy. You don't want to make it too hard, too complex, because you want them to be able to do it independently right. if they're not with you right. and not needing a lot of help. But it's just a good time to reinforce a lot of the skills that they've learned so they don't forget. Yeah, yeah. Are you using primarily iReady data to make your groups, or are you adding in a lot of teacher observation? Yeah, I use data. Both. I just use the iReady after they, that first diagnostic, and then just my own observations. And yeah. I, they don't stay the same. They constantly change, yeah. grouping-wise. Yeah. And I think a teacher knows. You know, you know, you know uh, getting that hard data out of iReady, but you also know that there are uh, that other things that you need to pull, and everybody's a little bit different, so... Yeah. Yeah, so that's nice. That's nice. So who would be interested in attending your session? Um, I think elementary teachers, middle school teachers, any anybody that wants to um, walk away with maybe a clear understanding or just some yeah. ideas, even <coughs> ideas to use yeah. is very helpful. So are you going to help kind of s- set up a framework for yeah. them to start? Okay, yeah. so like a framework. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that always helps me. Yeah. Sometimes it's so much information, it's too much. It is. How do you organize all that information? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that sounds like um, that sounds like a session to attend. All these sound like a sessions to attend. So I'm excited that you guys are here and sharing with us. Um, looking forward to it. Uh, again, the uh, the Teaching and Learning Academy will be at Williamstown High School, and it'll be from July 17th through the 21st. Um, Joanna, um, can you tell us anything about registration? Yes, uh, teachers need to register using Vector Solutions. So when they log in. Um, If they want to search for events starting with TLA 23, all of the um, events will show up and then they can enroll in those classrooms. Several of the the courses do have some limits based on our space. So if you try to enroll in one and it's full, please put yourself on the wait list and then keep checking because we want to try and get everyone in as many sessions as they like. So pull out the program and just design your day. If you want to attend one on one day and three on another, you want to fill up the entire week with sessions, um, you can design what works best for your needs and what you're ready to learn. Okay, that's great. And you know, a question that I had, um, each day of the of the academy, we're starting out with a keynote speaker. Um, are there limits to how many people can attend for the keynote speaker? We are limited only by the number of seats in the auditorium, so we should be good. Okay, that's excellent. Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate you all taking extra time to come in here today and share with us what you'll be teaching this summer. And we're looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So now we're talking to Jessica Linville. Jessica is a teacher at Jackson Middle School, and she teaches both social studies and Spanish. 
welcome, Jessica. Hi, thank you. <laughs> well, Jessica is joining us by phone. She wasn't able to make it into the studio today, so we appreciate you um, talking to us today. And the name of your uh, session at the Teaching and Learning Academy this summer is Project Parkersburg, a Mid-Ohio Valley scavenger hunt. I mean, just the title alone has me interested. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your, about your session this summer. Okay, so when I took over, I transitioned from teaching English to social studies and took over for Kathy Williams, who taught at Jackson for a number of years after coming to us from Ritchie County. And she's sort of a legend in the arena of West Virginia studies, West Virginia history. So Project Parkersburg is a scavenger hunt of sorts in the Mid-Ohio Valley, but it's very much historical in nature. And Kathy designed this to sort of bring attention to the many historical aspects and sites here in our area that students might be unaware of. And I've come to find that most students actually are um, unaware of, of the history that we have just sort of right outside our doors. And so I've modified it a bit since I've, I've taken over for Mrs. Williams just because, you know, we've gone through the COVID pandemic and we had to make some updates about places students could or could visit, trying to keep the sites mostly outdoors right. rather than asking them to go into museums or into the Blennerhassett Hotel. So we've had to pivot at times. And then also sometimes, you know, with these sites being historic in nature, the neighborhoods are transitioning and, and we have to regroup and find a site that we can add in or sub in. So sense. it has, it, it is sort of fluid um, from year to year, but it is something that students routinely will come back to me, you know, and if they're asked what they remember about taking eighth grade West Virginia history or West Virginia studies, this is a project that inevitably comes up most every time. So it's one that's very much um, engaging definitely hands-on, but it also pulls in family members because, you know, they have to facilitate visiting the sites with the students. And so it really involves a lot of different people on different levels. Yeah. And it exposes a lot of people. I was thinking what you were saying earlier about um, a lot of our students not being aware, you know, of some of these places around the Mid-Ohio Valley. And I would speculate that a lot of adults don't. I mean, right. you know, we, mm -hmm. we always have those museums in our own community where we haven't visited, where we visited museums in Columbus, Pittsburgh, and so forth. Yes. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I would think that would be a learning opportunity even for parents. Yeah, I agree. Yes, I'm not originally absolutely. from here. And I am continually surprised by the historical markers I see. Right. And I know that's only just a small part of what's really available around in this area. Some of them are hidden. I mean... I remember um, Jerry Kohler was a social studies teacher at Van Devender for many years, and she um, would take kids around to um, sites around Parkersburg. And there's a um, over near the United Building, um, there's a, a, a marker um, about one of the uh, first governors of West Virginia. And, you know, you, you drive by it every day and you would never even know it's there. So it's right. Yeah, it is nice to know yeah. these things. Well, I do. I hear from a lot of parents who, who just, they're thankful that they had an opportunity. Sometimes the kids will come in and say, oh, my dad nerded out about this or, you know, <laughs> like they, they do, they get into it and they, they participate just as much as the students. And, that's and great. so that, that is fun. And it, it is something I think we do take for granted. I'm also from here. I've lived here the majority of my life and I still learn things in teaching students, right. you know, daily about, about not only the state, but our local area too. 
Yeah, well, you kind of touched on this, but I, I think it's an important aspect of what this project brings to students. So why do you think including experiences like this are important for our kids? One of the the biggest battles I face as a, not just a social studies teacher, but the eighth grade year is so specific to to the state of West Virginia and you fight the battle of students saying, I can't wait to leave. You know, I can't wait to graduate and get out of here. There's nothing to do here. Um, and, and also we fight sort of the stigmas that, that our state faces, the stereotypes. And so I love the ability through projects like this to bring to their attention not just the history, but the beauty. You know, they, they get to visit one of the sites that we've added more recently it was an optional site previously, but Fort Borman is now a a required site because the Division of Tourism placed one of its nine swings. I don't know if you've seen those, um, but they are located. There's one in each tourist region throughout the state, and they chose based on the site in that tourist region that that had the most photos posted social media. Okay. So in the Mid Ohio Valley, Fort Borman was the the place that people were posting photos from. And so the Division of Tourism put in these beautiful wooden swings and they have um, a cutout of the state and it becomes a photo op basically, or, you know, a selfie option or a group photo wow. option. So then the students go up that way, but in the process of, of taking, because each at each site, they are required to take a selfie or I say an ussy if it's a group, um, because they can, they can go with groups of friends who also have me for class and they can do this together in the process of getting the photo at Fort Borman and seeing the view. And they're also stopping to, to read the signs about how Fort Borman connected to the civil war. Um, they find out in what year it was added to the national register of historic places. Um, and then they learn a bit more about the B&O Railroad and how it played a role both in our area but also in the Civil War. Um, and then there's some gruesome history associated with Fort Borman, and, of course, that piques their interest. So, right. it's you know, right. there, are, there are 10 stops, but every stop has different – it's multifaceted. So each stop has different um, components to it. But they start to realize, I think, you know, that – that this is an area that is not just rich in history, but, but culture and they can see, you know, that it's beautiful, but then they find also that there are things to do that maybe they weren't aware of previously. Yeah, it seems like it's, um, it's connecting for them. It's grounding. Like they're part of right. that history. It's part of their history. It seems Absolutely. like that's important. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Who, who would be, um, this sounds very interesting and, um, you know, I would definitely be someone signing up for your for your session. Um, and I'm I'm someone who loves history, so I enjoy that. Um, but what type of teacher uh, would be interested in attending your session this summer? Well, I think you know, most obviously, it it certainly would be applicable for teachers who are also teaching eighth grade social studies, West Virginia studies, West Virginia history. But I know that we also um, touch on some of that history at the elementary level. Mm-hmm. Um, and while this this project would absolutely need to be modified, I think for younger students, there definitely would be takeaways. Um, but we, you know, 
then even at the high school level, I know that teachers have a bit more flexibility so far as creating elective classes. We even sure. at Jackson are offering now not only the enrichment classes, but elective classes that students can sign up for. So, you know, and like you said, if, if somebody is simply interested in local history and trying to incorporate more of that in their classroom in whatever way they can, then this absolutely would apply. Or if, like me, I, I say that I'm a, a history nerd and I'm, I'm definitely passionate about the state. So um, I would be interested in attending even if I weren't teaching this as yeah. as my content area. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think you make a really good point. I mean, we have social studies standards about West Virginia kind of all the way up through. I know it used to be just in certain grades, and that's no longer the case. But even the way you talked about uh, Fort Borman is West Virginia history is not separate from United States history. It's not right. separate right. from the rest of it. So mm-hmm. we have concepts and time periods and events from K on that are connected here to, to our state. So really, it will apply to anyone who's trying to share that with their students. Well, and my son currently is in sixth grade and he has um, Shannon Farabee. She's an amazing social studies teacher as well. And and they talk about, you know, they talk about slavery and they're talking about then leading into all the way up through the civil rights Mm -hmm. movement. But then he was um, inspired to visit Henderson Hall because of ties to the Underground Railroad. And that's another optional site on this project as well. So absolutely. I mean, we are we are a small part of a whole. And I think it it also helps students to have some of that perspective you know how does this area fit into the bigger picture or how are we part of something bigger you know but um far more important i think as a site than than many people know it's just this area really did play such a role as you know settlers were moving westward and and so i think then they start to see also the coming together of cultures you know and and how different groups of Europeans settled in this area, different groups of Native Americans were here. So it is, it's, it's definitely, while it is state specific for me, mm-hmm. um, you could certainly branch into, to other content areas as well. And, and definitely other aspects of social studies. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, so what could a teacher expect to take back to their classroom after attending your session this summer? Okay. So there's the, um, the actual project sheet itself, um, which, as I said, has has been modified a bit each and every year. But I also ask the students to create. So as they're visiting these sites, they are taking the photos. There are questions that they are asked to answer. There are points, discussion points that they can address, but they put together a, a presentation using technology of their choice. Many default to PowerPoint still, but as we've been using Apple more in the classroom, starting to see some keynote and um, things like that. I've even had students create cahoots Mm -hmm. and they use the pictures that they've taken, but then they develop questions with possible answers. So they decide how incorporating technology they want to present this to their classmates and to me. And um, so there is a rubric for assessing the technology component that will be a takeaway. And then I also have worked on differentiating this a bit because logistically not every student I teach is able to complete this project. Transportation may be an issue, adult assistance or involvement may be an issue. And so there has to be an option for those students to be assessed fairly. So then there's a 
sort of a substitute. And it's, you know, obviously the ideal is that they can personally and physically visit these sites, but there is a virtual field trip option that I've been building and and sort of working into place for those students. So, so that they're still getting a lot of the same information. It may not be the same experience, but they are still exposed to, to the content and develop that same understanding and knowledge as the students who are able to, to actually go out and do the scavenger hunt. Well, Jessica, your, your session this, this summer sounds fantastic. Um, so I, I'm Thank sure you. a lot, yes, <laughs> I think a, a lot of people will be looking forward to taking your session and, um, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. And, um, so, uh, yeah, this is, this sounds great. I'm, I'm just looking forward to the summer and, and all the options that we have. Great. So, no problem. Thank you for having me. Now we're speaking with Lisa Buckley. Lisa Buckley is a nationally board certified teacher and she teaches first grade at Madison Elementary. So, Lisa, I see that you are going to be teaching a session this summer about whole brain teaching. What is whole brain teaching? Well, whole brain teaching has numerous components to it, but the number one component is that it uses gestures um, while you're teaching to ignite the brain, many parts of the brain. Um, So, with that in mind, we add in a little bit of a component that allows students to gamify their learning, teach other children, but embedded in all of that is a little bit of a classroom management um, portion that okay. is helpful. Yeah. I, you said um, that it activates all the parts of the brain. I was doing some research, and um, it was talking about just how significant the neuroscientific um, aspects of it are. Yes, especially the amygdala, yeah. which we we know is kind of that flight, fight or freeze. And sometimes, if you can tap into that, that humor, decision making, yeah, humor or or just maybe um, it can help them kind of redirect. And yeah. sometimes you can tap into different parts of the brain, especially the back door of the brain, which is a lot of the systems that you know the front door doesn't allow at this age. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Well, and I know it's a whole lot more than rules, but I have to say my son was lucky enough to have Miss Buckley in first grade, and just the other day we were talking about the rules from her classroom, and with just a few small gestures, he practically recited all of them for me, Um, and that was years ago. So there's something there that connects with students. Yeah, I was reading that's something that that all the students memorize. So... Yeah, there are a certain number of rules, and they have them memorized. And if if you kind of veer off of them, then then you can repeat them. And yeah. and it does help for them to create some. I guess maybe I guess they call it muscle memory with with those rules to redirect them. Okay. You know, you might just say like you're breaking rule number two in class, or hold up two. And after a while, you know, once you understand right which rule is what, and it just kind of snaps them back like, oh, yeah, maybe I am not making my dear team stronger right now by singing this song. Yeah, yeah. So, Lisa, why did you start using whole brain teaching in your classroom? Well, to be honest, um, I felt like, you know, sometimes the, the link between, you know, classroom management and teaching was like a little severed sometimes, you know, because you would have what you thought at the time. The clip chart was the best version, but... 
I started reading more about it early on, and it's like the same kids were on red, the same kids were on green, and, you know, sometimes you'd ask them to ch change their color, and maybe they'd stomp over, maybe they wouldn't. So I feel like whole brain teaching is more about enhancing your improvement. How am I improving? I see that you are getting your pencil pouch faster, so I'm going to give you a star on your super improver wall. Or I see that you are, you know, doing a better job of respecting other people's, you know, space. I'm going to give you a star. So it's more about showing improvement and less about, you know, telling them what they did wrong. We want to see engage them in improving and, and set that bar high for themselves. Well, right? Like right now, we're taking the iReady diagnostic. Uh, right. So the, I challenged them. I said, for every 10 points you go up, we'll get two stars. So I've been teaching them, you know, when you read pictographs, and this might be worth two. You have to look. Yeah. And so they've been excited because some of them went up 50 points, so they know five times two is they got 10 stars. And they may leveled up. Yeah. That's so cool. It's it's bringing it all together. So it's not like I have to plan my instruction and I have to plan my classroom management. When I put all of these things together, what I just have is a classroom that's engaged. Um, and we read a little bit, I'm taking some webinars on whole brain teaching right now. And one of the things that kind of jumped out at me too, is that there's this underlying respect between everybody in the class. So uh, one of the rules is, um, keep your eyes on the target. Yes. And so uh, the target might be the teacher, but it might also be the other student in the class who's talking or your partner that you're working with or the, whoever you're doing the game with or something. And so it just says, you know, like everybody's important and everybody works together for us all to improve. And I think that's such a cool concept. It, it is, and that is the big part. And, and it's not always flawless, <laughs> I will say. But what I understand about it for me is as I look at it, you know, every year differently, is that when you redirect them and say the rule that they're breaking, they realize it's not ambiguous, you know. Mm -hmm. So one of their big catchphrases is a rule without a consequence, it's just a wish. So we don't want to be wishing them to do things. We want to make them, you know, make, make it understood that this is why we want our, we're keeping your learning intact. It's, mm -hmm. it's important. So I know there are several components to it, but your uh, session this summer, you're going to teach three uh, different yes. uh, components. What, what are those? So I feel like these are the three that I struggled with the most. So I felt maybe this was this was the time for me to sh sure. showcase those. So I really dove in this year. So my first um, part was working toward getting my mind right on not being distracted. Okay. And Staying with my um, scoreboard. So basically the scoreboard is you get a mighty groan or you get um, a mighty oh yeah. And so basically it's you want everyone to be an alpha hawk. They're quick. They, they spot things. They're looking. They're always on target. You know, we don't want to be at a turtle pace. So you, you kind of teach the right way, wrong way. And then they get a point and everybody's like, oh yeah, in class, you know, big oh yeah. And then mighty groan if we need to improve. So the scoreboard is also based on improvement. And then what ties into the scoreboard is you have the super improver wall. That's the second part that you have everybody on the wall with the levels. And I lock them. So we have okay. these locked cards on them at the beginning. So it makes it kind of like, oh, what is going on here? And they have to get 10 
10 wins on the scoreboard before we'll unlock the super improver rule. So you can leverage it as you go. And then, you know, the rules also go in with that because what you can do is practice the rules and you might say, wow, that was great practice. Mighty oh yeah, or gestures, please. You know, you want more engagement. Yeah. And it's really good for people like me who I, I, I'm not so much now, but very shy when I was younger. The engagement part is great for that piece because it kind of gets those kids involved with, you know, if you're kind of the shy person in class and you may not talk a lot, that turn and teach or that scoreboard mighty oh yeah gets them kind of ramped up. Yeah, kind of helps you through those. Yeah, I know my sister was very shy. And, you know, it's little techniques like that that sort of help pull her out. And, of and sometimes things. people ask, you know, what's next? What do you do next? So that that's another part that I've added this year is when once you get past the 10 stars, you win 10 times on the scoreboard and start unlocking the super improver wall and you give stars out for improvement. Mm-hmm. So basically, if you just say like, hey, I noticed that you were doing a much better job today getting your things cleaned up and packed up, you know, it's a star on the super improver wall. And then when they level up, we do a dance party. Like I have a little light that I put up and <laughs> we have a, we, I always have like, it's the golden button. Okay. And you just, I just record music to it. So right now it's, you know, cool in the gang and they love it. They're just, yeah. they push the button and they get to dance for like one minute when they level up. But once you get past that, sometimes, you know, people say, what do I do next? Well, the next thing you do is if they win on the scoreboard that day, you can do a dice roll. And then the dice roll kind of gamifies it. And if they get a one, two, or three, everybody gets a super improver star. If they get a four or five, you do your class motto. Ours is we have grit, we don't quit. And six is always a re-roll. Okay. So there are a lot of ways you can leverage mm-hmm. adding things, adding dice rolls. That's a big one. Nice. nice. And later in the year, kids who have multiple stars can give stars to other students. So it makes it a yeah. nice yeah. feeling, a good feeling for them. What... Um what type of teacher would you see taking your session this summer? Well, I think, you know, we, we typically are noticing more, you know, what we would call barometer kids, things that are, things are arising that kids have a harder time dealing with. And I think if we can work to meet their needs, somebody who might feel that, you know, they're having a, a, the bulk of their class is struggling, Mm-hmm. And we want to pull more kids in. I think that would be um, a, a good candidate. Um, maybe changing around your management system. Maybe if your management system is just not quite working, I think this is a, a great way to kind of jazz it up a little bit and make yeah. it a little more gamified. Um, and, you know, they always say, like, it, in the whole brain, you know, webinars I've been to is, you know, if the game is like a 30 to 15, you might leave early to beat traffic, but if it's like 17 to 19, you're probably going to stay around and want to watch yeah. the rest. Yeah, I can't wait. This is really my favorite week of the entire year. <laughs> so the whole thing from Monday to Friday is just going to be um, full. We have such wonderful Wood County teachers who have stepped up to share what they do and what works in their classrooms, which is just amazing. And then we also have the support of just our community and everyone where we're able to bring in some people from the outside to share some new ideas with us. And so the combination of both of those, I think, is just going to make for a phenomenal week. Yeah. Um, Could you tell us about some of those people that we're bringing in? Yeah. So every day we're going to begin 
our 8.30 session with a keynote speaker. So on Monday, Aida Rotel from Corwin is coming to talk to us about teaching with clarity in mind. Um, and she does a lot with visible learning and, and what are effective practices in, in making sure students and teachers are on the same page. Dr. Karen Karp is coming on Tuesday, and her session is called Assisting Students Who Struggle in Mathematics. Thursday. No, I think I just messed up those words too. So I just messed up all of Wednesday. So let me start again. <laughs> That's okay. On Wednesday, That's Dr. Okay. Tim Rosinski is coming for the science of teaching reading fluency. And then on Thursday, Dr. Meryl Winston um, has the return of Darth Task Evader and talk about behaviors and, and things we see in the classroom. And then Friday, we will have a second um, opportunity to work with whole brain teaching. So um, I think that's really awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's a great slate of, of keynote speakers and a lot of great sessions. So definitely looking forward to that. And um, just remind everybody, that is going to be this July, July 17th through the 21st. And it's going to be held at Williamstown Middle High School this summer. So we're looking forward to it. So, uh, Lisa, thank you again for coming Thanks in today. So Absolutely. Thank you. Joanna, thank you also for helping with all this and, and setting all of this up. Um, this is, it's been a great time talking to everybody. Yeah, it really has been a wonderful time getting this yeah. together. All right. Thank you guys.